is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. But before we start, guys, I got I got to take a real quick phone call here. Hey, Usher. No, no, listen, just give me a second. Usher, I got to tell you something. James, James Edwards is on the show today. I'm not playing. James Edwards is here. I swear he's going to pick Sean Livingston with the Clippers pick. He's here. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. How you know? Because he's sitting right here in front of me. Put that on everything. On everything he's here. Damn. I know. I'm going to call you back. Okay. I'm going to call you back. I said okay. Every time I was in LA, it was with my ex. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you... That was uh, good. That was I, good. I, yeah. yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, this that song was really popular in 2004 when this draft was happening. So uh, I, I chose <laughs> that one. It was either that or, or Burn. Um, I felt this one was going to be a lot more fun, so I went with this one. I think that was perfect. That was good. That's right. Uh, So (laughs) welcome to Bad Boys and Beyond. I'm your host, Mike Payton. With me, as always, is Keith Black Trudeau. And if you didn't get it from the intro, we have our first return guest from the Bun and Cardigan from The Athletic, Mr. James Edwards. Thanks for coming back, James. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, I am honored. I'm actually, well, I'm honored to be on, but I'm also... Proud of myself for making my Sean Livingston fandom so known that you guys, when you got to the 04 draft, that I was able to be a repeat uh, a repeat guest. So thank you very much for allowing me to do this. And it's going to pain me uh, when I get that Clippers pick, what I'm going to have to do, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, since we're talking about Sean Livingston, you've been covering the NBA for, what, six seasons now? Seven? Yes, just finished six. Have have you had a chance to bump into Livingston at all? I've seen him in person many times. Uh, I I always felt weird about approaching him about my fandom while on the clock. So no, I've never said anything to him, but I've seen him many times in person. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair he's, enough. He's uh he's in the Warriors front office for people who aren't uh aware. Oh, I did not actually I, know that. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't know yep. that either. He's in their front office. All right. Well, um, this is a big draft here. Uh, as you mentioned, this was the one that got you into basketball. Uh, and this is a draft full of names. A lot of names in here. A lot of names that you're going to recognize. There are eight high school players in this draft. Eight of them. Yes. Uh, and none of them look more like a high schooler than Dwight Howard does. That kid, <laughs> that kid looked like he was 15 years old on draft day. He did. Uh, and, and Livingston did too. I mean, he had that big fro and no facial hair, and he just looked like a very young man. But uh, yes. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna hand it over to Keith uh, to to give us some more news and notes on this here draft. Yeah. So uh, this is the 2004 uh, NBA draft, uh, coming off of a, a great Final Four where UConn of all teams was the won the national championship. Can you imagine that? Uh, <laughs> Roughly 40% of this draft, uh, 25 players uh, in this draft were born outside the United States. 
I, I it's a little extreme because seven of them never actually played in the NBA, and we we kind of saw them tamp down on this. Man, I don't want to say it was a backlash because you still had foreign players going number one after this, uh, just after this draft. But I think there was there was maybe a let let's settle it down a little bit uh, on the foreign uh, foreign uh, player craze. Also, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I believe this was the final draft that they were penalized for their Joe Smith dealings. Uh, there were actually only 29 picks in this draft. Uh, there should have been 30 with the the new expansion Bobcats uh, joining the fold, uh, bringing it to the 30-team uh, total that we have now. Bobcats are a horrible name. I, I will always hate it, but... <laughs> It's, it's, it's probably the worst. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's in the, the color scheme was just as bad. I, I think Oklahoma City has a relatively awful color scheme, too. But like I'm with you on that. The They're my least thing. favorite. Yeah, with, with the horn. Yeah, the, the, I, my wife calls them the truck stop jerseys. Because <laughs> that's what they look like. No, they do. They do. Yeah. But yeah, the well, you had the perfect one of the great jerseys of the '90s, the, the Charlotte Hornets. I know the Hornets were that that name was still in in New Orleans, so they couldn't just bring it back. But yeah, I'm glad that they did. But anyway, that 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 concludes my news and notes for this draft. Uh, outside of the the coverage of this draft, which I'll, we will get into after the first selection. Can I can I add a note because as yeah, go for it. as as Mike said at the top. This is the like I, I grew up a basketball fan, ma- massive fan. My dad played in college, but this was the draft where it was like James went on out on his own and like watched it. Start. Like this was this was it. Sean Livingston, okay. of course, Sean Livingston. Note. I don't know if people remember this. He was the first ever point guard drafted out of high school. The second ever was also in this draft. Yep, so, and we'll so get to him. Right? Yep. Yep, yep. But yeah, Livingston technically was the first ever point guard to be drafted out of high school. I, Most I of them at that point were, were big men and, and, and like Kobe and guards. Yeah. Yep. Were you a big uh, Chris Humphreys fan or did that come later <laughs> on uh, keeping up with the Kardashians? I hated Chris Humphreys because everybody <laughs> said I looked like him when I was a kid. Re- really? <laughs> I had little curly hair, no facial okay. hair. All mixed kids look alike. So yeah, I got a lot of Chris Humphreys. But I, I did like that Minnesota team. Uh, that's kind of like my earliest. He was like the first star, like I still remember to this day, like one and done star. Uh, like I, I was born in '92, so uh, my memory doesn't go back beyond that very much. But yeah, in terms of one and done guys, like he was one of the first. I like vaguely remember his whole like college career, and he was in the Big Ten, so that helped. Um. Yeah. Before we jump into the draft, is it okay if we spend like five minutes talking about the Pistons, the current sure. Pistons? Uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, big week. Dwayne Casey stepped down on Sunday. Uh, James, you were in the building. Um, I I did listen to uh, the Bun and Cardigan this morning. Thank but you. For, yeah, no problem, man. Obviously, uh, great show. I love you guys. Uh, for the people who who may have not have heard that, you know, do you, do you have any uh, your quick thoughts on? on James or uh, Dwayne moving into the uh, front office and, and maybe who the, the lead dog for the head coaching job might be. Yeah. I mean, to answer your first part, I don't think anybody was surprised by the decision. I, I think 
I was one of the first, if not the first, to toss it out maybe a few years ago that when his time as a coach was done, it was very likely he'd go to the front office. Um, so I, I had kind of always been anticipating this outcome, but nobody except him and Tom, to my knowledge, Tom Gorris being the owner and maybe one other person, knew that when he walked into the press conference room on Sunday that he was going to step down and do it his way, which I thought was super cool. Um, especially in today's age, even as a reporter who I would have loved to be able to break that, but to see kind of the moment he had and based on how it ended in Toronto, the fact that he came here, um, and I said, I said it on the podcast, I don't like to use the word soldier because I think that it lessens what his role here was, but the fact that the organization respects him so much without the wins being there that they allowed him to to do it on his own terms. They were able to keep a secret from other top decision makers in the organization. It was just a really cool moment that you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'll ever be part of something like that again, because of how the news cycle and, and news breaking goes in today's world. And I'm not sure any reporter at this level will be able to sit in a room like that. Uh, maybe so, maybe not, but it was definitely um, a very, it was a cool experience for him to, to see him have that moment, just given the, the state of the news world we're in. But yeah, in terms of who could replace him, I think um, they have, they're, they're still formulating their list. Uh, I know some names on that list include Charles Lee from Milwaukee, Kevin Ollie, former UConn coach, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, former Piston, Ime Udoka, uh, Sean Sweeney, former assistant, um, I could see somebody like Chris Chris Quinn, who Notre Dame point guard played in the league for a little bit. It's been Spoh's right-hand man. Uh, those, those are some of the names that have been brought to my radar uh, so far early on in the process. Jay Wright, I think, is a long shot, but some uh, one that some people in the organization would like to at least try to get an interview with. So there are names. I think the Pistons' job, of all the ones that are open currently, I'm not going to say of what will be available this summer because I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see some surprise openings this summer, but of the ones that you can anticipate being available, Detroit, Houston, it sounds like Toronto um, and maybe one or two others. I think Detroit in terms of if, if you want to try to come build and mold something, I think Detroit's as good of a job out there as, as there will be. Yeah. Especially if they land that number one pick. Um, That'll help. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Go ahead, Keith. Can I, I jump in here? Yeah. Now, now, do you think any of those candidates are going to wait it out and see how the lottery unfolds? I'm, I'm honestly curious. Or do you think that it matters to them that much? I think that good question. And one that was asked to Troy today at, at his exit interview. And it sounds like to me that he does not want to be associated with somebody who wants to, who doesn't believe in what they're building now and uh, wants to wait to see what, what happens with the number one pick. So my guess is uh would the candidate are, are the will there be candidates that would like to wait till that i'm sure there will be yeah. will those candidates be the head coach i can't I, I can't say that yeah it depends on how how much that annoys or doesn't annoy troy do you think that um the pistons might be looking for a coach that maybe has a little bit more experience as opposed to a younger coach um a I, don't, guy I like... don't think that i don't think that's i don't think that's the case um Troy said today, the right guy is the right guy. He said when he said when uh, the, the hiring for a new coach happens, 
organizations tend to go for the opposite of what they had. And he said, if you had a defensive coach, you usually go offense. If you had a younger coach, you go older, older, younger, offense, defense. He said he just wants the right guy. And I actually think in just talking to people, I think from Tom Gores down, and I, and this is, I think, a very important quality for Tom, I think they would like to give like a young African-American coach a chance. Um, I think that in terms of just like their checklist right now, I think that's very high up there. It seems it seems like just from the onset that Charles Lee is probably the like the front runner. I think he has a very good chance at uh, going deep into the process. Yes, for sure. I don't want to say front runner because he has to. We don't want Troy, you to get Troy makes a decision. Troy, there's Troy, there's Tom, there's the people around them. That it's a it's a collective effort. I think maybe one maybe one person wants one guy more. One guy maybe. I think when you get to the collective agreement, I could see Charles Lee ending up uh, rising to the top in that when the dust settles. I could definitely see that. A few years ago, I would have said Ime Odoka is the front runner, but that meant that Nia Long would have been coming with him. Now that that's out of the picture. <laughs> He, he's gonna have to interview real well. Uh, yeah, yeah. If he's not bringing yeah, Nia, I, just stay away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, let, I, let, let's. Oh I, yeah, go I ahead. Just yes. one more quick question before we start. Yeah. Um. This, this is year three of the of the Troy Weaver era, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you noticed a different vibe this year versus the first two years cover, or was it about the same? Your experience covering the team. It's a good question. His vibe has not changed. The vibe of everybody else's has changed in terms of the fans, uh, uh, those who have the rooting interest. Uh, again, you guys have seen the photos. The arena was fairly busy this year, and I think because of the excitement to the end last year. Um, and I think part of that is why you saw Troy put out the letter. I think that was for the fans who bought in and then came and didn't see a lot of wins. I think though he trusts in the process. I think he has the support of the front of the of ownership to get this right. Like they all understand that where they started was at, was below ground zero. They they are very well aware. Do they want? Do they wish that Cade comes back next year and is a, a quick immediately a top twenty player? Absolutely. But they understand how this stuff works, and that might not be the case. But they look around and like, okay, three years ago our best player was Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. Now we have uh, Cade Cunningham, Jade Nivey, and Jalen Duran, and they're all under the age of 22. So I, the, the patience is still there, but they don't want to lose. They don't want to win 17 games again. I'll say that. I, I think if it's, if, if they have it their way, they're competing for the play in next year. That is their hope to my, to my knowledge and something I've been putting out there for a few years. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank well. you. I, I certainly hope so. Um, I guess I guess we we will see. Um, not to not to belabor anything, but you you have a, a great column column out today about uh, how you still see the season as a success just because of uh, Jaden Ivy and, and uh, Jalen Durrance showing that they can they can potentially be all stars some somewhere yeah. down the road. It's very upsetting to me because I want to be mad, and you always bring me down to earth. <laughs> And then I go, well, when you put it that way, it's it's really not that bad at all. <laughs> and 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 I tried to make I tried to make it clear in the column that I understand where you where the fans are coming from and I understand the frustration and I understand wanting to see wins and getting excited with how they ended the year last year. And oh my gosh, year two K and here we go, turn up. 
But at the end of the day, when Cade went down, even before Cade went down, when Cade went down, it was very clear that this was another, this is going to, it wasn't going to be linear progression for this team. And what people seem to lose or lost in the sauce of the rebuild, I'm not sure which one it is, if they ignored it, lost it. The goal of a rebuild is to acquire as much high end young talent as possible. And the fact that they are enter exiting this year and they may not say it publicly, they may act like they already knew. But the fact that Jaden and Jaden in April of their end of their rookie year are these players is a home run for what the for what the backbone and foundation of what a rebuild is supposed to be. They are more talented and have more high-end young talent today as we talk, despite having almost a franchise low amount of wins than they were a year ago when they finished a year almost 500 and and Cade was go balling out of his mind. It, it, a rebuild, and I, I people tell me all the time, you're carrying their water. You can call me whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. I just don't understand how you can argue the fact that they have more high-end young talent right now than they did a year ago. And the wins didn't come with it. That's because Cade didn't play. But I don't think Jaden becomes what he became without with if Cade played. And uh, if I, I think if they didn't, I, I think part of the starting Wiseman over Dern was to put a light of fire under Dern too. I, that's something I haven't said, but I think, and I don't know that for a fact, but I think that was part of it. I think the other part was they feel very good about what Dern will be. Let's find out what Wiseman will be. I, it was funny just checking the timeline and seeing people like. They're really going to start Wiseman over Dern. I'm just like sitting on my fingers and my hands. I'm like, you guys got to like relax. Like that's Troy. And you, Troy said it today. That's the one guy I won't put a ceiling on. He absolutely loves Jalen Dern. So I hope fans relax. I hope they saw that and relax. But I, I just, you can call me whatever you want. You could say I'm carrying water, whatever mean journalistic thing you want to throw at me. I, it's whatever, because I, I feel like I know that what the point of a rebuild is and that the Pistons walked away for the first time in a long time with three guys who, if you told me three or four years now, three or four years from now are all-stars, I wouldn't be surprised. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, look, for me, and I think this is, look, Dwayne Casey, he 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 was the good soldier. Like you said, he he did his job. He shepherded this, this big rebuild. Now this, I think Troy Weaver, I don't want to say he's on the hot seat because I don't think he's done anything to warrant, is he in trouble, right? But he's a scout for life. So, And we we all knew that was his acumen coming in, that he mm -hmm. was going to, he was likely going to find guys in the draft. He was going to scout. He was going to find young talent. He, but the thing is, he hasn't proven himself yet as a guy. He's He's going to be doing two things that he's never done before. Yeah, at least as a head guy, he's going to be hiring his own coach and which we have no idea what he's looking for in a coach other than what he said today. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's got to start building a team that wins games. Like yeah. the, the individual improvement. I agree. You can look at the season from us as a success. Uh, even it's the fewest wins they've had in my lifetime. And I think what disappointed me was this is by far not the least amount of talent they've had in my lifetime. They had more talent than that. And that's fine, but individual improvement alone is not going to make next season a success. He has to put pieces together and, and find the right parts that are going to gel around the core that he's acquired. And, yeah, look, I don't I, think anyone's asking for more, more than – I don't even need a plan, honestly. I just – I want the 
just like what people were saying about the Lions for years, I just want them to be playing games that matter in week 15, 16, 17. Yep. With the Detroit Pistons, I want them to be playing games that matter in April. Whether they make the plan or not, I think that that's the minimum of what everybody is looking for for next season. I think that's totally fair, and I agree with you that Troy's Troy's next step is to show the team building facet of his of his job. Um, he spent the last three years building up the asset pool, acquiring talent. Now it's time, and I and I still think that if Cade was healthy, we think about that differently. Yeah, but I agree. I agree with you that because he's not healthy, we don't know. And it, this is the summer to show, like, okay, we need to put together a a, a team instead of uh, what is it a part of its sums, not a sum of its parts, whatever that that quote is. That's what gestalt. we need to see. Yeah, something like that. I, I, the term is gestalt, I believe. There yeah, we go. I like that. I like sum that. Of its parts. It's a, yeah. yeah, German. <laughs> all right guys yeah we uh, well, let's uh let's jump into the draft we got to get james out of here he has an usher concert to go to tonight at 7 30 so <laughs> Lil wayne's actually in town is that where you're going you going Lil wayne no i'm not going i'm going out i'm going to uh, dinner with some friends to oh. to close off the year but uh, it was funny when troy ended his press conference he looked at me and said Lil wayne's performing tonight i'm like why are you telling me this am i going to see you there and he's like yeah <laughs> yeah you'll see me there i'm like all right you really think Troy Weaver's at the Lil Wayne concert tonight? No, he's not going. He was being a he was being funny. I don't know, man. He might be there. And, I'll, and I'll pop my head in. I'll pop my head in and yeah, get some see, photos see or so. All right. Uh okay. So uh let's let's start it off with the number one pick. The Orlando Magic are on the clock. GM James Edwards is in his war room. What's he thinking? I mean, as much as I want to take Sean Livingston here, I have to be I have to be honest with myself. There's only two yeah. Hall of Famers. Well, well no, let me there should how should I say this? There should be two Hall of Famers in this draft. And Dwight Howard went number one. And Dwight Howard should be in the Hall of Fame. I think as time goes goes on, the other one I think Andre Iguodala. I'm interested to see if he gets in. I would, I would, I would. I don't know if Dwight doesn't get in. He doesn't have the ring that Andre the rings that Andre does. But I don't know. I'm curious about that. I think those two should be Hall of Famers though. Dwight Howard. Um, I mean one of the best defensive big men there was one of the best uh, rim running big men there was uh, helped really along with Stan Van Gundy was the centerpiece of the one in four out um, at the peak in Orlando. I mean, Orlando absolutely nailed this pick. Um, I think Dwight, as time goes on and you look at the end of his career and you remember the end of his career and what he's doing now, the, the it, it's sad how he's talked about because at his peak, uh, I would maybe say up until now when we see the Joel and Jokic's of the world, and, and maybe it's just Joel, I, we still haven't seen a center in, in recent basketball as good as Peak Dwight. Yeah, the uh, it, Dwight Howard, I think, should have been named to the All-75 team. I think it's, yes. I think it's, I don't think it's a crime that he was left off, but I think he should have made it. Uh, if only for the fact that he holds up this entire draft class by himself. <laughs> yeah, he no, does. But when you talk about the weak drafts of all time, no one ever mentions 2004. And that's because you see Dwight Howard number one and you just skim past it. Like, oh, that's the <laughs> Dwight Howard draft. Right. Yeah. And as I recall, you, you said that this was the first draft that you really tuned in and paid attention to. That I like watched top to finish, yeah. start to finish. Okay. Like, yeah. I know we were still you were still young then, but I, I remember this very well. Do you remember the 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 narrative around on this first pick? 
I really don't know. Okay. ESPN just just butchered Dwight Howard for about five minutes. Like th- this was all right to set the stage. This was on the heels of Kwame Brown and Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler and teams picking these high school bigs that don't pan out right away. Right. And oh god, the ESPN just went all in. Like they they had on Dick Vitale and Dick Vitale. Of course, he's going to to crap on any pick that's not a, a college senior. <laughs> but it wasn't just him. It was like, there were some quotes. It was just, uh, I even wrote some about uh, Dick Vitale called it. An, uh, he, what did he say? He called Emeka Okafor a no brainer uh, first pick. Okay. He said, he's going to be, he's going to be great for 10 years. Stephen A. Smith, not one to, to miss a trend. Uh, <laughs> he, he called it uh hoping versus knowing, Like you're hoping Dwight Howard will be what Emeka, Emeka Okafor is. Uh, and Jay Billis, uh, he said, uh, Orlando years down the road is going to regret not taking Emeka Ogafor over Dwight Howard. Like every single person on that ESPN panel, like I think Orlando, I forget who their GM was. I think he deserves a lot of credit for making this pick because this was yeah. a very unpopular number one pick. Yeah. That's a good point. I agree. I, I don't remember that. That's I haven't went back and like, do they have the draft on YouTube? I actually looked for it. I, all I saw, I have it myself as a recording. I, yeah. I, I did a quick search for it on YouTube today, but it, it was a, it was a uh, Canadian broadcast. It was like an S sport. I think something, it wasn't the same. It wasn't an ESPN broadcast. I may need you Maybe, if, it, if it's easy for you, if it's easy for you, I may need you to send me that. I would love to watch this. Yeah, I could. All right. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk. All right, yeah, so he's, he's uh, got an entire vault full of stuff, man. I've, I know, I've, I know. I've picked from I, it a few times. Yeah, there's some stuff. I'm yeah, we're gonna. I I've been meaning to actually ask you about. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I, I have no problem with that. All right, so the the number two pick uh, making their return to the NBA is Charlotte in the aforementioned uh, very ugly Bobcats uh, uh, clothing. On behalf of the LA Clippers, people forget the LA Clippers originally had this number two pick, and they they traded down uh, to number four in exchange for a second round pick, and so that the the uh, Bobcats would take uh, Peja Drobniak off their hands in the expansion draft. <laughs> That's really all it took for them. Uh, in any in any case, uh, picking number two on behalf of the Bobcats is my co-host Mike Payton. Well, before I make my pick, I had no idea until just now that Smitty was on this team. Yeah. No clue. Yep. yep. Just just one. That year. was his last stop, I believe. It was. Uh, no, he he went somewhere right after this he, for one season. Did yeah, he go he, back to Miami? Yep, he did for just thirteen games. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um. So wow, I I did not know that, but I am gonna I am gonna pick his replacement or the guy who's gonna start over him immediately. Uh, I, I think maybe this guy uh, was maybe a little lower down on all of your guys' boards. Uh, but for me, this dude, he can score. He can play point guard. He can play the two. He can do a lot of things. I'm taking Kevin Martin with the second pick. Because Ooh. if there's one Isn't thing this podcast... Huh? Go ahead. If there's one thing I'm this podcast team needs is scoring. And, and this guy is the uh, per-game... Uh, points leader in this entire draft over Dwight, over Iguodala, over everybody. I mean, the guy could flat out score. He doesn't when play you, as when long you as a lot when of you them, say but... it out loud, it makes sense. But I wouldn't yeah. have thought that without you saying it. But that's a hundred. Once you put it out loud, it makes sense. Hundred yeah. percent. 
Shout out so, to Kevin Martin. Shout out to Kevin Martin from Western Carolina University. Yep. Going from number 26 all the way up to two. Courtesy of your boy, Mike Payton. Do we shout out the Sacramento Kings for their drafting? 50, uh, uh, 19 yeah. years later? Right. Maybe. Right. I mean, right. for a right. minute there, that Kings team was legit. Oh, yeah. I mean, for he, he was taken 26th. So, yes, I, I think absolutely. You, yeah. I forget who their GM was at this time. But, yes, this is this was an absolute steal. Yes, yes. it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say one thing. Like, uh, part of the reason that he has the highest scoring average in this class is because his career rendered, ended rather abruptly, like around 30. Like, he didn't have time to – to go through yeah. the the eighth, ninth, tenth man circuit like everybody else, but uh, that's not to take anything away from him. Uh, he was a borderline all star for a few years, where he was averaging twenty points a game, twenty three points a game at a time when that really actually meant something. I think a lot of people remember his his weird like corkscrew uh, <laughs> jump. But he was arguably the best shooter in this entire class, as, as well as the the top score. He didn't do a whole lot else, but. Uh, when you can put points on the board at, at the percentages he was doing it, yeah, I, I, I can't argue with him at number two at all. He wasn't second on my board, but he was close. Uh, the actual number two player on my board uh, is going to go off very quickly. Uh, out of the University of Arizona, the Chicago Bulls select Andre Iguodala. Mm. And I, I think he fits in tremendously, especially with a, a Bulls team. And look, the, the baby Bulls are probably not going to wind up uh, as they were because two of those guys are in this draft pool. So take that with a grain of salt. But the one thing the Bulls never really had was that that playmaking perimeter player. I know they had Ben Gordon, but he was a one-dimensional shooter. Uh, I, I don't know how high their ceiling goes uh, or how much higher their ceiling is with Andre Iguodala. I just know he's a better player than anybody that they had on that team. Uh, very athletic. Uh, he's still playing today. <laughs> uh, just one of one of one of the all time. I, I call him a, a a borderline Hall of Fame role player, which is kind of what he is. Yeah, uh, I don't think he was ever going to be the best player in a team that got out of the first round of the playoffs, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He does he's he does so many things really well. He just never graded any one thing. And man, he's had such a great career. I mean, the guy has a Finals MVP that no one's ever going to remember, but he deserved it. Everyone and except he, Ste- yeah. everyone except Steph will forget. Or in people that don't like Steph because they used yeah to that too yeah. Steph, uh, look I don't know people that don't like Steph I don't know who who they support I just know there's a, a lot of weird people on Twitter I, yeah. I, what can I say All right going back around uh, the the most anticipated pick of this draft uh, the L A Clippers on behalf of the Charlotte Bobcats uh, the L A Clippers are about to engage on a, a bit of a renaissance well. They were never that good to begin with. So this, I'm not sure that I don't think Renaissance is the correct term, but it, this is the first really, a really good period in, in Clippers history. Uh, they've already got Elton Brand. They're going to get Sam Cassell. Uh, they've got Chris Kamen, uh, James Edwards, the third, who, who exactly do you think from this draft pool would be the best uh, compliment to that team? All right. So I was going to ask you, if I recall, we're not doing best player available, right? <clears throat> you want me to factor in that the need for that team at that time? I, yes, I want you to think like a general manager that you have the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, that you know okay. who, who at all these guys are going to be down the road. 
and make the best pick for that team. This is a this is tough because Livingston is very much in the conversation here. He had after the injuries, he started his career very promising, the injuries, and then he ended his career one of the elite role players in this league. The Clippers, like you mentioned, Keith, had Sam Cassell, who was getting older still, and they needed a young guard. Um, but with that said, I think the right choice here for the Clippers at that time would have probably been J.R. Smith. Ooh. Um, Ooh. A young two-guard who... We all wondered what the there was. We all wondered if he'd how what the hell this guy was going to yeah. be. And we look up and he's played a long, long time on some good teams. Um, he's a bucket, we all know that. And I think people forget how athletic he was those first few years. He was jumping out of the gym, he was raw, piece of clay, but like you could see it. And I think J.R. Smith on this team, you put him next to Cassell, you put him next to McGetty, you put him next to Brand and Kamen. Um, this team didn't have a great two guard at the time, if I recall. And I think J.R. Smith, while he might have, he might have been, it might have been tough at the start if they had kept him. And he is what he is. He's a solid bucket getter um, that I think would have complemented this team well. So yeah, I, mean, I, I really like that. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember if they had Coutinho Mobley to this point. No, they, they they got him. They got him a year after this. A year after, that's right. Yes. Okay, so he he does have a chance to to grab a hold of that starting spot. But as I recall, he kind of did struggle a little bit early. I think yes. Did New Orleans take him to begin with? Yeah, and he was he was in New Orleans with Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, it didn't take him too long to to get a foothold in the NBA. I'm trying to figure out who is who was their starting two guard. It was uh, probably Maggetti, right? It, it would have had to have been. Well, the they, Clippers, they, they the, had they had they had a smorgasbord of of or, or Kittles. Things. Kittles maybe is there Quentin too. Ross. Quentin Ross, yeah. I'm seeing Kerry Kittles on here, but no, Quentin Ross started 78 games. Yeah, sweet Jesus. I was gonna say it was either Quentin Ross or Kerry Kittles, but I just remember watching, wishing Sean Livingston started over Quentin Ross when I was a kid. No okay. Sam Cassell so though. They're, they're a year away from their their playoff push, but yeah, no, I I totally get this is uh, I want to say this is like them getting Jamal Crawford a little bit early. Yes, even though they they aren't quite the same type of athlete. Like J.R. Smith's way more athletic than Jamal than uh, Jamal Crawford was, but I right. think the role would be similar, right? The instant offense off the bench guy. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, this. Yeah, I think if everything else breaks like it does for the Clippers, and you have. Uh, Sam Cassell, J.R. Smith, uh, yeah, uh, Chris Kame and Elton Brand. That team nearly made the conference finals. And, and honestly, it was like Don't remind this close me. to make it. it yeah. I mean, it was like a uh, they were a hair away from making an NBA finals run. That's how good the Clippers were in the mid-2000s. Yep. And honestly, yeah, J.R. Smith might actually hit, push them over the edge if, if he develops quicker. So, yeah, I, I'm actually loving that pick. Thank you. All right. The the Washington Wizards uh, with the fifth pick, uh, they are now free of Michael Jordan. Uh, they're not quite free of Kwame Brown yet. Uh, <laughs> Mike Payton, who who are we selecting with the fifth pick? Actually, uh, yeah, you are up at the fifth pick. Yeah, well, this this pick gets traded to the Mavericks. Oh uh, shoot, you're right. Yep. Yeah. So I uh, 
I am I'm thinking about it in that. I, I I my whole prep my whole speech here is for the is for the Mavericks. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was a draft day trade. You're 100 yeah. right. I, I goofed on that. I didn't put that on my notes. So this team is going to the NBA Finals next year, and one of the big issues that this team has is that they have to find a way to stop Shaq. Now, granted, he's not the Shaq that he was a few years ago, but he's still Shaq. And they put Eric Dampier out there, who is a, a fine defensive center, but like it, it's just not going to work. So yeah. I'm going to pick them a little bit better of a center. I'm going to take Al Jefferson with this pick. Great pick. And uh, I I still think Shaq will you know, have his way with him a little bit, but I think that Jefferson's going to put up a lot better fight than Eric Dampier. And Jefferson's also going to put some buckets in, too, on top of it. Uh, There's so, so many yeah. people who are going to listen to this pod that just don't understand how good peak Al Jefferson was. No, he like, was great. Just was great. a bucket. Just a bucket. I think he made an all-NBA team, if I'm not mistaken. He he did I, I not. He did, yeah. he, he well, did not. No, no I don't think he, he did. He didn't? No. Wait, he, let me look he, this up. In 2000. Basketball reference says he did. Where? Yeah, I thought, I thought he did. Do they? I don't, I don't see it. At the top above the jerseys? Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. You're right. 2014 yeah, all-NBA. Yep. It was 14? Yeah, it should have been. It should have been uh, 09 when he had 23 points and 11 rebounds a game. Hold on, Al Jefferson made a All NBA that late? I wouldn't have thought 14. Sheesh. Yeah, that's kind of late. That is really late, and that's not even that great of a season. That must have been a <laughs> down year for centers. <laughs> yeah, that's a great pick, though. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, out of curiosity, how much? How many points do you think uh, Shaquille O'Neal averaged in the 2006 NBA Finals? It's it's not as good as anybody thinks it is, but it's still yeah, it's still pretty deep. It's probably like 17 or 18 points a game, something like that. 13.7. Okay, I guess that. It's pretty. Yeah, low. he he. Yeah, his yeah, he shot he shot 60. percent I mean, it was good, but he, he just didn't have the mobility. Like it was basically Dwayne Wade taking on three or four Dallas Mavericks for a lot of those games. Yeah. All right. So uh, the number six pick, the Atlanta Hawks. And yeah, this, this pick seems pretty easy to me. Um, Look, even though this guy didn't have a very long career, he had a very effective career right away. Uh, Out of Duke, the Hawks select Luol Deng. Good pick. And I know he's gone down in history as being the guy that that stole a bunch of money from the Lakers when they signed him to that massive contract and he wasn't healthy enough, nearly healthy enough to be that guy anymore. But man, uh, how good was he in Chicago? He was a really, really, really good. Um, he was never an all-star, but he was like on the cusp for, for a number of years. Guy, He could be relied on 16, 17, 18 points a game. A uh, very, very reliable player, could defend, really long arms, uh, great mid-range game. Like, if you didn't already have a superstar small forward on your team, like, Luol Deng would fit in anywhere. Uh, I absolutely love Luol Deng's game. I, I, I think it's kind of sad. Like, there's a lot of guys in this draft pool that will, will go on down the line, but they had kind of tragic uh, twists to their careers, and Luol Deng was kind of one of them. Uh, but, yeah, I – even if he doesn't uh, last past the age of thirty, I think I still think it's very well worth a top six pick, uh, especially with the Hawks, and you know they're going to be uh, gunning for the playoffs pretty soon. So I, I think he would contribute really well with them. Great pick. Uh, Thank you. Now 
I pick for yes, the Suns traded seven yeah, to you, Chicago. Yes, yeah, so you're you're picking for the Bulls, but you're picking on behalf of the Suns because or excuse me, you're picking for the Suns, but you're picking on behalf of the Bulls since the right. Suns basically sold this pick right. to the Bulls. So if I recall at this time, this is just tragic Bulls. This is Eddie Curry. Jalen Rose might have just left. Like, this is gross Chicago Bulls. Kirk Heinrich is their franchise point guard they got the year before. Um, I think yeah. here the best – the you go with the best player and also I think it also feels a need and, and Pistons fans cover your ears. I think the pick here is Josh Smith. Oh, boy. I think – you look at I, their front court at the time. I can't even, I don't even remember who it was. Uh, but it's certain like that team was just bad. Like they needed best player available at that time and they needed to get more athletic. And I know Pistons fans remember unathletic Josh Smith, but Josh Smith, Atlanta Hawks, Josh Smith was as athletic as it got. Um, and I think given that time, uh, for what Josh was early in his career, I think that would have been a nice little starting point for uh, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, never, never the most uh, efficient player, but yeah, but he was. So, people forget he was so athletic uh, in his early twenties that he it didn't really matter how how inefficient his shooting was. He could just jump over people and block shots and, yeah. and dunk on people. He Josh Smith and and people are going to cringe when I say is one of the most exciting players in the league for for a yes. number of years. Yep. It's just the Pistons didn't get the guy that they thought that they were getting. Um, do you remember, and I, 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 I haven't confirmed this, but I'm pretty sure it's, it was Josh Smith's first start, I think it was against the Pistons mm-hmm. and they had him matched up at the two with Rip Hamilton. And I think he blocked, I think Rip Hamilton's first three shots. I vaguely remember his- that now that you say that. Yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and that it- came up recently. I was talking to somebody, but I vaguely remember that. That's funny. Yes. Like he clearly didn't know what he was doing out on the court. Cause he was an 18 year old kid. <laughs> Right. But he was just he was just so big and so athletic that just you know go just see that guy just chase him around and, and don't let him shoot and he yes. was still able to do that effectively and I, I think I can't remember if that was the game where the Hawks came into Detroit and just embarrassed the Pistons I'm pretty sure it was yeah that sounds right like twenty five points yes <laughs> it's random yeah <laughs> yeah that that was my introduction to Josh Smith who by the way the, the the pick that Atlanta used on him was the pick that Detroit traded them uh, for Rasheed Wallace. That's right. That's right. Good call. Yeah. So, so he had he yeah he he was always kind of linked with the Pistons in my mind. All right, <laughs> the the, num- the number eight pick, the uh, Toronto Raptors, who who already have Chris Bosh in the fold. So you're off to a pretty good start, Mike Payton. Uh, who who do you want to uh, team him up with out of this draft class? Well, this team needs a point guard because right now they are doing this patchwork thing with uh, Skip to my Lou, Omar Cook, and somebody named Milt Palacio. Milt Palacio. Milt Palacio. Shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I haven't heard that name since all four. <laughs> good old Milt Palacio played actually a lot longer than I thought old Milt yeah, was going to play. Good yeah, he's a career back. I uh, I'm gonna take who the guy I think is the best point guard on uh, in this draft left at least um, maybe maybe in total because this is a pretty weak point guard draft. Uh, I'm gonna take Pistons legend Jameer Nelson 
Good pick. To to head head things up in uh, in Toronto. Um, I I think it's gonna it'll be really interesting. A uh, backcourt of him and Vince Carter. Uh, Vince is gonna be gone soon, but uh, Jalen Rose yeah. is on this team plus uh, Chris Bosh. It's a fun little team. Let's see what they can do. Heck, a few years away from Kobe giving him eighty one. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nice. yeah. Um, yeah Jalen's best years were long behind him at this point. Uh, but yeah, the, the the Raptors were a really really fun team with Chris Bosh for that for at least most of the two thousands. They weren't very good. Uh, they only made playoffs, I think, one time, and they got squashed in the first round. But, yeah, Jameer Nelson was a legit all-star teaming up with Dwight Howard. So I, I'm actually curious to to know how he would have uh, teamed with Chris Bosh because that would have been a hell of a pick-and-pop combo. Yeah. Like, he, he did a lot of pick-and-rolls with Dwight. With with Bosh, it would be – I mean, he, they could pick-and-choose your poison, pick-and-pop or pick-and-roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jameer was actually a name, and we did, Mike and I discussed this before the show, but I, Jameer Nelson, I knew of Jameer Nelson way before the draft because he was a college guy. And if you recall, in the in the 2004 NCAA tournament, St. Joseph's, St. Joseph's it, it, of all teams was a number one seed. Sure. Him they and were 30-2 that Yep, 30-2 and two that year uh, with Jameer Nelson and Delonte West. So I, I knew both of those guys very, very well. Actually, right, funny uh, enough, the, the, I would say that's the same for me. Jameer and Delonte were probably at, at 12 years old were the only ones I was like, and Ben in a Mecca, but that's when you're young, you watch college basketball, but right. very much knew who Jameer, they were, they were big deals. Like they were magazine covers. It was a big deal, yeah. Jameer and Delonte at that time. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it was weird. Like of all the college players, other than the UConn guys, you probably knew the St. Joseph's guys uh, better than anybody. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So the uh, the number nine pick uh, in this draft, which falls to me, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers coming off their first lottery season in a while with a with uh, Allen Iverson. They're trying to get back into the playoffs, trying to make one more run at it with AI. It's not going to work out, at least not with the guys that they had. Can, is there anybody on this on this board that can maybe change that narrative? Oof. Yeah, yeah, if this is a tough one. Like there's a couple of guys that could maybe do it, but the the problem is with AI, and you know this as well as as anybody, you need a very specific type of player to play with him. Yeah. It can't be a guy that needs the ball in his hands. It can't be a guy that doesn't play defense. It's got to be a guy that can shoot. Like these are all boxes that have to be checked and I see one guy here that fits the bill. Uh out of, I want to say he went to UCLA. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers select Trevor Ariza. Pistons legend, Trevor Ariza. Good pick. <laughs> yeah. I know I've been saying that, but that's a really good one because Trevor's definitely going top 10 in this redraft. Uh, yeah. I'm, he's the second highest rated player left on my board, but the top one was just a terrible fit with AI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trevor Ariza, people forget he started on a on Kobe's first non Shaq championship team before they swapped him out for Ron Artest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the original, I don't say he's one of the original 3 and D guys, but he was one of the original wings that made a living off of doing nothing except playing defense and then just hitting open threes when they presented themselves. Like he yes. was athletic, he was big athletic, he could finish, but that was never hit. 
he made he made his money in the NBA being a three and D guy, and he was yep. one of the first guys to really do that. Like it was his archetype. It is the type of player that teams look for now to complement their their best players. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I do I think he? Having said that, do I think he's going to take the Sixers to any great heights? No, <laughs> but I think he will make them a little bit better. Uh, unfortunately, the guy they originally picked, Andre Iguodala, was just a better player. So I, I don't know if if Ariza gets them back into the playoffs to, to get crushed by the Pistons, which is what happened, but we'll see. <laughs> now I'm at, okay. I'm at number 10 with the Cleveland Cavaliers and good old Luke Jackson was the original pick here. Uh, one, right, speaking of college players, I would say he was up there as one of the more known college players at that time. Uh, very, I mean, just didn't not do a damn thing in the league. Uh, just did not <laughs> yeah. work out for him. I just don't know how else to say it. Um, I mean, at this point, they have LeBron James. Is it, they don't have Zadrunas yet, do they? He's there. They, they've had Zadrunas since 1997. Oh, yeah, duh. duh. Duh, 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 But they're not – they're still – they missed the playoffs LeBron's first year. They obviously end up making the playoffs here um, with no help of Luke Jackson. No, uh, they, the, they, they missed the playoffs again. His, he missed, LeBron's he first his, two years, they missed the playoffs. His first two years, okay. Who, yeah, this who, is year two for LeBron. Who's the point guard? Is it Al McGinnis? Jeff McGinnis? Jeff McGinnis? Um, I think – oh, I know he was on the team. I can't remember if he was the starter. Okay. I think he was. I, I can double-check that for you, but I think you're right. So kind of similar to what you were saying with AI, you're building around LeBron. We know what kind of players you need around LeBron. Um, even, even if he was a little bit different there, he was more of the – he was still the LeBron we know today, but he was more assertive in terms of getting his bucket. Not that he's not now, but you, I think you guys know what I'm saying. Like this was young LeBron. Yeah. Like this is my shit um, or my stuff. Sorry. Um, so this might be the biggest reach so far. Okay. But he and this guy ended up helping Kobe win a title. Can shoot, can play some combo guard. Sasha Vujicic. Oof. Wow. Whoa. Maybe a reach. <laughs> he's on my board. He was, he's legitimately on my board. He's not on my board. I, I probably should have went Devin Harris. But Sasha Vujicic, I think, is a guy. Young The, the youngins might not remember that Sasha, he might have even started. Um, for, on those Laker minute. teams, yeah, but was I mean he was a he was a, a focal point of the second unit. Um, had some big moments for the Lakers uh, during that time. He can space the floor. He could play either combo. He could play either either spot. I think he was like sneakily like wasn't he like six seven? Wasn't he tall? Yeah. Yeah, like he was a big guard. Yeah, he he was a legit six seven. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that, that's why though. That's why Phil Jackson loved him. Is he loved his, his big guards? He did, and there, I mean, there was a season he he played. He played not a ton of minutes, but he, you felt his presence in his minutes. Uh, I just feel like I don't know. This draft is so bad, and I wish I agree I, with you on that. Yeah, like I, I wish I, w- I wish I would have said Livingston has had a better career than Sasha Vujicic, but if we're building around LeBron, I think Vujicic at least helps and probably gets on the floor. I mean, the guy, there's years he averaged close to ten points a game, 
once he's usually hovering around five six shot well from three shot on high volume he just was effective in the minutes he got in terms of, of taking advantage of his shot so uh, I mean, he was he played 82 games, 73 games, 72 games, 80 games, 67 games during those Lakers runs. I, uh, he's at least a rotation player, more so than Luke Jackson. He is. So I was probably the first bad pick we've done, but I also no, you're good. I like saying I will show you. I will show you his name if you want. He is legitimately on my board. So I, like, he, w- was he on my board in the top ten? No, but he was legitimately on my board. Like I, I considered him in this draft pool. All right. Well, I don't feel as crazy. All right. So uh, number 11, uh, the Golden State Warriors, I believe, are up. Uh, they are just a the, – the Warriors were mad. People today will not believe how bad the Warriors were for a period of 20 years from the 90s and the 2000s. They were just so inept. They, yes. they could not get out of their own way. They, they were the, the team that every other team laughed at, believe it or not. Because even if they – Donald drafted, Foyle. Yeah, even when they drafted talent, they they couldn't figure out how to build a winning team. No. All right, so uh, Mike, uh, you are drafting on behalf of the the Golden State Warriors, not quite the We Believe Warriors. Yeah, they're still in in the uh, in the basement. Uh, who who do you think uh, can possibly speed up this process? Oh, they're gonna believe after this pick. I I believe it because I just man, I just pulled off this amazing thing in my in my in my mind. Uh, so before James joined us, when we were off the air, Keith and I were talking about Josh Childress. <laughs> and we were talking about how, like, man, that guy was really good until he decided, like, he needed to get paid and Atlanta wasn't going to do it. So he headed out to Greece. <laughs> we never well, heard from him again. And we never to be heard from again. Well, even I think when he, even when he came back to the NBA, we still never heard from him. No, again. he came back and played. Was it for the Suns? Yeah, like for a couple of teams, and then yeah, he kind of disappeared. He was like a deep bench guy. But I'm sorry, Mike, go on. I wonder well, what Josh, he's doing now. Go ahead, sorry. Josh Childress is never going to Greece because the Stanford grad is staying home. Ooh, just right down the road, he can go stay at his mom's house if that's where <laughs> they're from. I'm not sure. Uh, if they're from there, then yes, he can go stay at his mom's house. He she can help him with all the stuff, laundry, whatever. Maybe get a better agent. I don't know. Uh, and he's going to stay in Golden State, and uh, it's going to be a success. There you go. Josh Childress, Stanford grad, staying in the Bay with the Golden State Warriors. I like it. Yeah, I, I love Josh Childress's game. Like, he was never going to be a star, but he was just so much fun to watch. He was great motor, uh, not the prettiest jumper, but it went in. Uh, played pretty good defense, yeah. uh, good finisher. Like there was nothing that he really did poorly, and I, I thought it was kind of a shame. And this, we're talking about another guy that had kind of a, and I don't want to call it tragic because he clearly enjoyed his time overseas, but just the fact that the, the Hawks kind of used his restricted rights against him and wouldn't pay him what he wanted, and it kind of forced him out of the NBA. I thought that was kind of sad because. I, I think he had a legit. If you look at his stats before, like his first four years in Atlanta, they were really, really good yep. for for a, a for a reserve, and it, just the fact that he was kind of forced out of the league at that point, I, I I think it's great. I I think it's nice that he enjoyed himself over in Europe, but I think I, he probably would have preferred things would have you know, turned out better for him in the league. Yeah. Can, can I just I, say that? Uh, and maybe I'm out of line here. Maybe I'm wrong. Best throw in the business. I mean, it was really good. For a minute, yeah. it was. 
Yeah. yeah it was the cleanest. Really perfectly yeah, shaped. I mean, like, yeah. huge, it was yeah. really good. Yeah, perfectly shaped. He did. He was clean. All right. So the Seattle Supersonics picking 12th, and they are in prime position to make a playoff run. They've got Ray Allen. They've got Richard Lewis. Uh, they've got – well, they've got Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis. <laughs> and to be honest with you, <laughs> having those two guys in their prime, you really don't need a whole lot else. Uh, the, the Sonics could score with anyone that year. They, they do make the playoffs this season. Here's what I think they're missing. And I know James is going to really hate me, but I can't pass this up. Uh, they need a point guard. Yes. And hey, I can't how are you going to do this one? to him, man? How are you going to do this to him? Hey, I'm happy. Look, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm happy he's going now. As long as he, I was getting worried, like we were getting down further down the list. I'm like, all right, somebody needs to take Sean. I'm just glad he's going now. All right. Yeah, James, you can have the floor if you want after this on, on the fit here. But I, and I know he's out of high school. It's probably going to take him more time than Allen and Richard Lewis would be comfortable with. But, you know, Richard Lewis can relate. He came out of high school himself. Uh, the, the Seattle Supersonics select Sean Livingston. And if you want to elaborate, be my guess. But uh, before the knee injuries, Livingston was an up-tempo. Like, people were were considering him maybe like a future star in the league. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, 6'8", he could handle the ball. He could really pass the ball. The shooting was a work in progress. Thank, thank goodness for him that he perfected that mid-range game at the end of his career uh, because the knee injuries had kind of sapped his quickness. But... Yeah, one of the worst on-court injuries I've ever seen in my life was was that Clippers, where his leg just, it went two different directions. And yeah. look, maybe on a different team, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe just changing the circumstances might, because it was a freak injury. It's not like playing yeah. for the Clippers influenced that. No, you're right. Uh, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just imagining him, you know, for the next three seasons playing with Rashard Lewis and Ray Allen and just just hitting them and for trail threes over and over again. I, I I'm loving that idea in my head, uh, but I know this is your favorite player of all time, James. So I am not going to I am not going to hog the floor here. Uh, be my guest. No, I won't take too much time because I don't want to tear up. But I, everything you said was was right on the dot. I mean, I think Sean was a work in progress, but he came into the NBA and immediately gave solid minutes. He didn't give a ton. But when he played, it was solid. You weren't looking to him to score. He was a setup man. He could defend with the size. Uh, like you said, he was a tempo pusher. He, he could get all the way to the rim, dunk. He would throw lobs. Uh, just a very smart player, a very high IQ player. Even surprisingly enough, we Pistons fans here all, all the time about these young guards struggling. Sean was not really uh, – he his learning curve was fairly quick for a point guard in the NBA coming out of high school. Did he make mistakes? Sure, but it wasn't. He was. He came in kind of with a vet feel about him, if I recall. So, I think him next to Ray and Richard. I mean, hell, they would have. He would have provided more than Robert Swift, um, the Bakersfield legend. And I, maybe one day off the uh, camera, I can share some Robert Swift stories that oh, Dwayne shared please, with us. Please, um, but it's certainly like Sean. I thought would be a great setup man. He had value right away when he came into the league and. Like you said, Keith, maybe there's a chance that we see the the future star potential that he that he had when he first started. Uh, but I'm I'm still super happy with how his career came full circle and um, how he's remembered. And it, he just didn't fade to black like anybody who's anybody 
remembers what Sean Livingston meant to those Warriors teams. It's on me. Yeah, right? it, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. But um, yeah, I just want to, I just want to add, like, because I, I, I have heard that you know Sean Livingston, be, be, he succeeded because he was on those Warriors teams, which was BS. Because before he was on those Warriors teams, he was on a far less talented Nets team. Yep. And he was giving teams the business doing the exact same stuff that that old man game, the the, the mid range shots, the post ups. Uh, the the point forward role like he was doing all of that for the nets before before he ever joined the warriors like he was a legitimately valuable player 100 percent. yeah even with, even with all the with the reconstructed knees all right so yes uh our last go around the portland trailblazers uh picking 13th uh james you have the floor this is the kind of tail end of the jail blazers rashid as you guys know is gone at this point but there's still some – there's the Darius Miles leftovers. There's the Zach Randolphs. Uh, they got a veteran in Damon Stoudemire at point guard. They obviously ended up drafting Sebastian Telfair to be prepared and, and prepare for life without without Mighty Mouse. Um, so they had some they had some guys. Travis Outlaw was a young guy that they had that they believed in at the time. I think he came out of high school as well. Um, so it, it's a team that has some pieces and has playoff aspirations and the fact that this guy that i'm gonna say has gone has not gone yet and you could make the case that he is like there's guys we've already named that have that have had worse careers uh but devin harris i think would probably be the pick here um combo guard was able to score i think he made an all-star game if i'm not mistaken um just could put the ball in the basket was a good facilitator one of those one of those guys that played three years at college big 10 guy at wisconsin um injuries kind of got to him too i believe if i'm not if i can recall yeah um but he was explosive for a young guard not like jump out of the gym but he, he the way he moved just just moved well shot came along uh made an all-star game yeah, i was right and uh yeah he was just a short-lived peak but his peak was solid then i think more solid than people remember and this to me this is another tragic uh career in this draft pool and it's not because he i don't think it was the injuries i think it was because uh he, he just had a lot of crappy luck like th this man got traded twice uh for an <laughs> all nba like he was the guy that was good just good enough but he he was trading he was getting traded like the first time uh, he got traded uh, for Jason Kidd. That's how Dallas originally, and it wasn't that they didn't like David Harris. It's just they had the opportunity to get Jason Kidd, yeah, and then he out. goes like like you said he goes to he goes to New Jersey. He becomes an all star, and then New Jersey trades him for Darren Williams yeah. because again, yeah, you have the opportunity to get a, a potential superstar. And so he never really found a place that believed in him. As weird as that sounds for a guy that made an all-star team, I think his career could have been uh much could have gone better. a lot different. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if he had just found that one spot like like Tony Parker did with the Spurs, where they said, you know, we don't need anybody else. This is our guy. I don't think anybody really said at any point, Devin Harris is our guy. And I think he was good enough. He was just good enough to be that guy if he just found the right team. And he never did. I agree. I, I, I'm glad that you put it in perspective like that because I actually forgot that he was part of the Darren Williams trade. And yeah, he just kind of every 
they just kind of tossed when they he was the piece you used to kind of yeah. like to like Tobias Harris in a way like he's the piece you use to go get the star he's the fringe he's the B tier B C plus B guy that you use to go get the A guy yeah all right so the the Utah Jazz in a very very rare uh lottery appearance <laughs> uh, I actually, th this might actually be their first lottery appearance, as I recall. I think it actually was 2004. Uh, at number picking number 14, that's weird. Their first lottery appearance was in 2004. Picking 14th, uh, Mike Payton. Well, I am going to go ahead, and this could be a really easy pick. I'm surprised that he made it this long. I'm going to take Ben Gordon, uh, because th this team does not have a I mean, they've got Gordon Gearcheck. And all love to Raja Bell. Love his podcast. Uh, but dude, dude is not a starting two in, in, in the NBA, in my opinion. I'm I just wanna I'm I wanna apologize to your listeners for messing this draft up. I should have taken taken Ben Gordon over Sasha Vujic. I just want to put that out there. I, I totally <laughs> whiffed on Ben Jordan, Ben Gordon. Go ahead, go ahead and finish. Sorry. Hey, there, there's a bad GM in every draft. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like Ben Gordon, it, he's, I forgot he's he wasn't go. gone. <laughs> uh, Pistons legend, Ben Gordon. How many of these players played for the Pistons, by the way? Like almost half this draft spent yeah. at least a year in Detroit. Uh, yeah. Very, very majority of this very disappointing draft wound up in Detroit at some point. <laughs> yeah. The, um, man, Ben Gordon. And this is another one where, where people, and I, I'm not going to take up too much time at the end of this, but. He was so freaking good in Chicago as a as a pure scorer and shooter, and then he came to Detroit. And if you look at how he was in Chicago and how he was in Detroit, it's two different players. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know he had some personal issues and some mental health issues later on. But my big beef is with John Kuster because if you look at how he how he was used in Chicago, they he was coming off of screens and pin downs and he was given isolations. He goes to Detroit and John Kuster has him running like 55 pick and rolls a game. Yeah. Like that was never his, he is not a point guard. He's not a pick and roll guy. Like he was the guy that you give and say, go get us a bucket. Yep. And he doesn't, he doesn't need an on ball screen. He just needed space. And they mm -hmm. never really gave him that. And that really annoyed me to no end. Like I know they were in this uncomfortable fit with he and Rip Hamilton at the same time. And I guess one of them had to be on the ball, but I, I would almost would have rather had Rip on the ball because Rip is a good like pick and roll guard, at least a decent one. Like Ben Gordon, he would he here's how every game would go. Uh, he would have the ball 30, 25 feet from the hoop. Jason Maxiel or forty five year old Ben Wallace would come and set a screen. Both guys would trap him. He would give the ball up and he'd never get it back again. It was just yeah. all right. My my rant is now gross. over. It was gross. I, I just want to point out that yes, Ben Gordon massively underachieved in Detroit, but he was always he was also uh massively misused. I agree. All right. So uh the 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 final pick in this draft before we do our ceremonial pick, uh the Boston Celtics, uh they are they are just riding the uh the mediocre train until they can get uh Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen in uh four years from, or three years from now. You know, I'll tell you what, there's there's a couple of really good players uh, that are left on this board. I was surprised yeah, uh, by the amount of depth for, for a draft that I've been crapping on for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, there, there are a couple of guys that are clearly better than the rest of this uh, this draft pool. Uh, 
You know what? I, I'm I'm if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm gonna get I'm gonna draft Tony Allen. Damn, uh, it, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. I I know he would have been a great Piston. That's what I was hoping I, for. <laughs> yeah, but I I'm not draft. Yeah, you gotta understand. I'm I have to make the pick that's best for the Celtics, and clearly, uh, the best pick for the Celtics is the guy that actually made six all defensive teams. Uh, not all of them in Boston, mind you, but he he was a a very important role player for a number of years in Boston uh, for, for a championship team and a team that got back to the finals. Uh, I, I don't see how I can pass on Tony Allen for any of these other guys and say that they would have contributed more. Uh, like I agree. He, he, was a, he was a self-check on offense. I get it, but uh, his defense was so good. I honestly don't care. Like he, he was that good of an on-ball defender. Yep. All right. No, All right. He's the best and, one left. Yep. So that wraps up uh, our draft. However, as we do every time the Pistons haven't already selected, uh, we are going to do a pretend or a make-believe trade where the Pistons trade up uh, to pick number 16. And is there anybody left on the board that would really affect uh, – because they're they're still very much in the middle of their, their conference finals run trying to compete for championships. Yeah. Uh, I've got a So does, does any – yep. I mean, I have one that's clear just simply because he's the best player on my board. But right, and right you go ahead first. And I think we're all on the same. That's just it. I mean, Oak or uh, uh, Memo is yeah. gone, and Okafor is a perfect guy to slot right into that position, and he's a yep. great backup center. I mean, it's super easy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, he had a short career, but the, the, these Pistons teams only have uh, what four year, four good year, uh, four good years left. So. Yeah, we could have gave ben them Wallace solid leaves. backup minutes comfortably and been fine. Yep, yep. And when Ben Wallace leaves in two years, he's ready to step in and fill that void, and none of us get subjected to Nazi Muhammad. All right, so <laughs> that's that. I, 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 I actually yeah, saw him the other day. Nazi? He, I think really? he in Oklahoma City. He might be in their front office. Really. He was an okay. He ended it. Uh, let me check that because I'm pretty sure that's who I saw. Hold on. No, that uh, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, sorry, I just want to like clarify that that certainly was. He is. Yes, he's, he's, a the, he, he's a general manager. Yeah, for the Oklahoma City Blue and a scout for the Thunder. Yeah, he was at the game. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly didn't know that. Good for him. Get that money. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, I don't. I, yeah, I didn't. I don't hate Nazi Mohammed. I didn't like the contract they gave him. Oh, Nazi understandable. Mohammed, he just he just was not a good fit on that team. No, I mean, if we're being honest, he just wasn't he wasn't very good either. He had some moments in Atlanta, San Antonio, he, San Antonio. He's okay, yeah. but like he, he is what he is. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, James. Thank you again for coming. I'm sure we're going to ask you to come on at some point uh, again in the future. Please, please, anytime. Please use this time to uh, to 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 shill some stuff. Please use this time on my program to put your stuff over. <laughs> oh, uh, plug, please plug everything, man. Everybody, if you don't know who James is, you gotta know. Him. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, JL Edwards. I I I cover the Pistons for the Athletic. Um, there's a multitude of stories out right now. If you want to read Troy Weaver's the, the best questions and answers from his season ending press conference, that's up right now. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, I wrote a column about how Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran's uh, rookie seasons made 
this losing season for the Pistons worth it, quote unquote. Um, I have a piece up about if you're into the the wild world of autograph collecting, I did a story about a week and a half ago about the guys and gals who hunt out where the team stays and the airports they're at to get autographs that I was that I thought was pretty good. Very good read. Um, yeah, just check my timeline and there's there's a bunch of stories. I think you can get a subscription now for like two dollars a month. So now's the time to jump on it before uh, the the off season gets even crazier. And thank you guys for having me as always. Always good chatting with you guys. And uh, anytime you need me, I'm here. Awesome. Yes, yes. Do do subscribe to the Athletic for James' work, man. I big fan. I'm a big fan of you. Thank you guys. Uh, so yeah, thanks for thanks for coming, and we will see you guys next time. Next week we will be covering the best and worst of the Pistons first round series in honor of the playoffs getting going. So hang on for that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see you then.